As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Sports Yak. Oh One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. It's Sports Yak. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that's not smart enough to know how smart we are, it's SIFPOP. Welcome to SIFPOP Weekly, streaming live most weekends are available to download later in your podcast feed, unless of course you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Woo! I'm your host, Aaron Dicer. No one gets hurt. Three hours of work was my recruiting pitch to him for the podcast. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Ahoy! Each week we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. He's our very own Conspiracy Santa. It's Ian Whittington! Yay! Wait, is there any other... Well, sorry, first of all. Hi! <laughs> is there any other type of Santa than a conspiracy Santa? Isn't I, the listen, whole thing just a big conspiracy? Listen, listen, I mean, Ian, there are children sorry, who listen to this podcast. I'm so sorry. <laughs> stop, please stop listening. Parents, I judge you. Uh, I well, have, you I know, have there's stories. the yes. Mel Gibson version of Santa, which blows everything up, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, there's two. The one there's also Santa. Krampus. We all know what Krampus is, which is pr- closer to Mel Gibson's version than anything, really. There's the uh, <laughs> there's the Tim Allen version uh, of Santa, that, the Santa Claus, that has yeah. uh, completely screwed up my ability to spell Santa Claus uh, anymore because of the pun uh, with C L A U S E, and yeah. so now I accidentally throw an E on Santa Claus every once in a while. Oh and no! Yeah, it's it's really Santa all Claus. Yeah, it's really. Uh, all Tim Allen's fault. Really, it's all Tim Allen's fault. Everything. This will not be the last time Klaus comes up during the podcast. Uh, just a little teaser there. Uh, we've got some fun stuff we're going to do. Um, we're going to do a couple reviews, uh, as per uh, as is our want. Uh, one of them is going to be for The Tomorrow War that you can check out on Amazon Prime. And then No Sudden Move, which came out on HBO Max. And we've got a Best Ever Challenge for Best Ever J.K. Simmons Movies. 
Uh, we'll do yeah. our top five uh, of those since he was hanging out in the Tomorrow War a little bit. Um, but we're going to have a good time doing it. Uh, Ian, welcome back. It's good to have you here. Uh, it's We had a lot of fun talking about the differences between uh, England and America as far as like cinema goes and those kind of things in our members-only pre-show. Um, I appreciate you uh, having those conversations and getting the, the antenna set up at your home to broadcast all the way over here uh, into the States. <laughs> it's just a lot yeah. of work you've put into this, and we want you to know how much we appreciate it. See, Not Ian me, doesn't it's the, know this. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's the 30 gerbils that are running around powering the antenna that you've got to feel <laughs> sorry for. I'm doing yeah. none of this. Yeah, it's always the yeah. gerbils you feel well, sorry for. Ian doesn't know this, but actually Aaron scheduled Ian to come on this week so we could remind him of how America won the... <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to do that. Cool, we're going to go there. Yeah. Very nice. Cool, good. Yeah. Starting strong. Yeah, I don't, Let's do I, it. Listen, cool. listen, I'm just How's saying... How's that language working for you? <laughs> <laughs> Would you don't like know what you're tea? talking about, man. Yeah. <laughs> I uh I I have to say Give me a beer and was, beef jerky. It was not intentional, but it it sure is interesting uh yeah. that we are we have brought you here to celebrate uh the independence of the colonies uh this weekend. Happy ungrateful colony day. <laughs> yes, yep. exactly. Ungrateful jerks. I don't, have you seen um it just came out. So I, it would not surprise me if you haven't. I just happened to watch it yesterday because that's what I do with new movies. I watch them. But uh Wait, what? There's a there's an animated film that came out on Netflix yesterday, uh, oh, called uh, America or so, something along those lines, and it's basically oh, it's like America the Great or something like something that. like that. And yeah, it's I haven't. It's like a really, really, really discount Team America World Police kind of idea. Like it's nice. you know, like I think that's what they're going for. Um, it's terrible. I'll just tell you. Like I, I Good. thought it was absolutely terrible. And there's a lot of talent involved, so I was kind of surprised at how bad it was. But it, it just felt like nobody in that movie, from any level of organization or production, was like maybe we shouldn't do this. Like there's like everything <laughs> goes America, the motion picture. Thank you, chat, uh, giving that to us. Yes. America, the motion. There were no rules. And the thing about no rules in comedy is it can feel very freeing, but it also immediately becomes by definition lazy, right? Because you're not having to work at something to put it in some kind of structure. And so there's no, you know, it's all just like this joke seems hilarious. Let's throw it out there. This thing seems way oh, over the top, and you know, um, pushing mm-hmm. boundaries. Let's do that. And so it just it. I don't know. I was just I was unimpressed uh, when I watched. Do you it, think but. like ten days ago they said, "Oh no, it's the fourth of July and we have nothing." <laughs> like, what can we come up with in nine days? Listen, it kind of felt that way. I'm just saying <laughs> when. You, your cast is uh, George Washington, whose best friend is Abraham Lincoln, uh, and they are teaming up with Sam Adams, who is a frat boy uh, at the local college, and they're fighting a werewolf version of Benedict Arnold. Uh, like Good Lord. Uh, Thomas Edison uh, joins the team, a uh, young Chinese woman named Thomas Edison, uh, who is all about science. And yeah, so I'm just, this is what I'm like, there's no, <laughs> the look Andrew is giving me. Right 
<laughs> that is the definition of too busy wondering if you could to wonder if you should. Yes, exactly. Is exactly. this the one on Netflix I saw that has mm-hmm. like George Washington crossing the Delaware as like the cover art or something mm-hmm. to it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know which one to skip. No, actually, you know what, Aaron? I hate to tell you, everything you just described kind of I know. makes me want go. I know. I know. What? I know. Everything I know. you just said. It doesn't sound good. Nope. But I have to see it. It's like a yeah. car crash. You know, yeah, like, no, I, I got to look. I get it. I totally <sighs> get it. Yeah, uh, Ian's all, got it. <laughs> all, almost just for just the audacity of it. I totally get mm-hmm. it. Um, but it, there was one joke that I was like, oh, that was a good joke. There, And I'm just going to spoil it right now so you don't have to watch, watch it if you don't Great. want to. Good. The only good joke, you're, I'm about to spoil it for you. Um, I'm ready. So feel free to jump ahead 30 seconds if you want. Blow but, my mind. Uh, we can't do that. Aaron. There is a a Fast and Furious parody section with horses instead of cars uh, during during this movie uh, in space. Uh, no, not in space. Not in space. Are they uh, drifting? They. Yep. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. The horses drift and they have like neon, uh, you know, on them. And anyhow, I don't know if you're trolling us. Or not. No. What is nope, this? I am movie? not. I, I am not. But one of the persons, one of the people, says. These guys live their life a quarter mule at a time. Uh, so there you go. That's oh, the best it's a dad the- pun. It's, that's <laughs> what got Aaron. Of course it Did was you? a dad pun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming you were a guest writer on this film. And <laughs> no, that no, that was the only good joke in the movie. Okay, so maybe that does mean I was a guest writer. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get into the show. We'll kick it off with a review for The Tomorrow War. Are fighting a war 30 years in the future. This is this a joke? Our enemy is not human. We need you to fight. You got drafted. I will be back. Why is this happening? What about the teacher's deferment and the veteran's deferment? If I don't go, they're going to draft you in my place. But if something does happen to me, you and Mary will be taken care of. If something happens to you, Dan, 70% of draftees do not return. Sometimes a man does what's best for his family, not himself. Move your shirt, please. Wait, what's this for? It's just a test. Oh, a seatbelt. Was it a driving test? No, you don't have jokes in the future? An ordinary family man named Dan Forrester is recruited by time travelers from 30 years in the future to fight in a deadly war against aliens. Uh, Chris Pratt starring in uh, this one comes to us from Chris McKay is directing this, who I think his only other major credit is the uh, Lego Batman movie. So kind of give you some context on that. Um, So, yeah, you've got some other people you've seen here before. Um, You've got uh, I always mispronounce her name. Um, Ivan Stryovsky. Is it Stryovsky? Yeah. Nice. Uh, anyhow, from Chuck, you may know her from Chuck or Dexter uh, as well. Um, hopping in here and uh, and then several others as well. Uh, what did you guys think about? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Ian, you get to kick us off. High side of dislike, as oh, in okay. close to it's okay, okay. but it, it eventually landed right in dislike. Dislike. Uh, Andrew, what do you got? Low side of loved it. Ooh, Ooh, I like it a little bit. be good. I thought I was awesome. going to be the one to start us off because I kind of enjoyed this movie. I'm, I am on. I'm not on the low side of loved it though. I am on the low side of liked it. Uh, I may be bordering into just liked it. Um, I'm having. I'm actually having a hard time 
um, letting my thoughts kind of you know coalesce on this uh, because yeah. it's it's a movie that that consecutively I uh, moments just loved and then there were moments I'm like this is a bad movie and then there were moments that I loved and yeah. so like it just yeah. like I'm having a little bit of trouble with this one Andrew tell us uh, tell us why you landed loved it what did you love about this. Well, I want to build off what you were just talking about, about specific moments. I broke this down into three sections. You know, first act, second act, third act. The first act I gave B+. I thought it did pretty good. It built tension, you know, like, what are these creatures? Like, what's going on and everything? Once you get to the actual future war, A+++++++. That entire section had me. It was... Intense. The action was amazing. Creature designs were on point. There were actually some emotional moments that actually hit for me. The third act of this movie gets a C, C minus. This, yeah, I think that the the third half of this movie is, or last third of this movie is just very mediocre. And it kind Mm. of tarnishes how good that second section is. But that second section is so good for me that I have to say I love this movie because it's the biggest part of the movie. You know, you have similar feelings to me. I'll just kind of jump off that a little bit, unless you had anything else you you wanted to mention before I hop in. But um, I'm in a similar place, but I don't think it was easy for me to divide my feelings chronologically like it was for you. Like, I, I, I didn't feel consistently the same way during the first, third, you know, second act, third act kind of idea. I kind of went back and forth during during both but the primary thing i loved is the 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 creature work the sci-fi action the world building like yeah. they're not just good they're great like really the creatures good. Yeah. are incredible in this movie some of the sci-fi action is the best sci-fi action i've seen in a long time and a lot of that yeah. has to do with the creature work i think a lot of it has to do with the uh the direction kind of the the camera work understanding how to shoot it um and a lot of it uh has to do with just the world building and they've they set some rules and whether you want to believe them or whether they make sense or not, they stick to their rules. And yeah. this is hard for me to say with a time travel movie. You know, I'm notoriously hard on time travel movies. Um, and, you know, it's not a spoiler. That this is a time travel movie. It's right there in the description. But um, <laughs> but I will just say, and I do want to do some spoilers on this. I think we will record a little bit of a six I was going to ask yeah, on this. Yeah. There are some things we have to talk about that I don't feel comfortable sharing on the, the non-spoiler mm-hmm. section. But um, but I will say this. Uh, I think this movie handles time travel in a way that I don't prefer, but it is consistent in the way that it handles it. Um, I don't yeah. think there's there's uh, well, I got a little sniffle from uh, from Ian uh, on that. A, a little, little yeah, little bewitched we'll nose nose tingle there. Um, <sighs> but uh, but yeah, I and I'm excited to hear what you thought. But as far as mm. me, like when I was taking a moment to go. Eh, hold up i was like no not really but also the movie has told me this is the way it works and they're just sticking Mm -hmm. to that um so so yeah i kind of liked the world building all around uh the performances were um they were decent to good um i don't know that anybody is giving a spectacular performance here but everybody is kind of doing their job um, I always love J.K. Simmons popping up in something. I think he may be my favorite uh, as far as performances go in this. Um, hmm, but, interesting. Uh, 
but uh but yeah i i don't know so for me it was kind of overall just like there's so much great world building here that i think i really like this movie and then there would be a moment whether it's during the first act second act or third act where i'd be like well that's just dumb <laughs> like, you know like there would just be there would just be those moments where i'm like oh, i got that pretty quick yeah why do you got to do that like <laughs> so i don't know man i think you tighten this movie up a little bit and it's you know it's up there with edge of tomorrow and you know some other i was some other I was movies getting like that very big edge of tomorrow vibes yeah agreed mm-hmm. yeah. well i mean tomorrow is right uh, there in the title so it's it's begging <laughs> for it it is begging for it uh don't you Ian, mean live, we haven't really heard from <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> Ian, we haven't really heard from you on this one yet yeah ian give us some thoughts i this is fascinating i think we all feel exactly the same but we've landed in exactly yeah. different places which is oh, that's fantastic fascinating. that's great that's fascinating um i echo everything that you guys said i just ended up at the bottom end of the because i think the things that bugged you guys really really bugged me um the alien design is fantastic i think it's i I want that i'm way more interested in that universe than continuing with prometheus and all of that stuff to be honest like i think i I want to explore a bit more of that um the performances didn't do anything for me at all the emotional moments didn't hit i saw the themes that they were running through right for me i think they were trying to there's too many movies in here there's You've got a sci-fi, you've got high concept sci-fi, you've got a disaster movie, a post-apocalyptic movie, because the war's pretty much done, a drama, some comedy, just an all-out war film, and then you've got this emotional drama family, almost one-man quest kind of film. Mm-hmm. And if it had picked up on any one of those things and run with it, I think I'm all in and I think I'm with you, Andrew. I think I'm in the loved it, but I think this was yeah. trying to grasp at too many different opportunities and didn't quite stick the landing on any of them for me. I think it's trying to be the, you know, um, man trying to find purpose, trying to find, you know, meaning. Yes. I think that's what it's trying to be consistently through. If there is a through line, I, yeah. I think that's what that's it what is. But, and that's part of, I mean, there's, that's almost part of the negative is we've seen that through line through the history of cinema so many times about, yes. you know, another uh, white man trying to figure out what it means, you know, what it means to be a yeah. good dad and a good father. <laughs> what a burden like, it is to be me. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that kind of has a little bit of that to it, but I do think, I do think that is the point. Like, I think that is what they are mm-hmm. trying to is Chris Pratt's character is supposed to be our connecting piece. Uh, throughout um, what we're experiencing here. I don't deny that there are different genre elements. Um, I didn't feel confused by them, though. I didn't. F- I feel like the movie's tone ha- held up no. pretty well. So yeah. No, I think it, it... Yeah, it didn't under-explain anything or leave me scratching my head of, uh, hang on a minute, that's weird and broken. It mm-hmm. did all get wrapped up, but... Um, I think if there was a story that I'd want to follow, it's the, it's the soldier that... I don't know how much. That's probably going to be a bit spoilery. Okay, it's we can hold train, it. We can save it. The one who yeah, let's is, hold that. Keeps the, coming back. Yeah, I just, think that's a good way to put it. I want I yeah. want his story. If we'd followed him, I think I'm way more invested. 
Um, yeah. I just don't care about Chris Pratt's. The most excited, exciting thing about him is his name. It's like, Dan Forrester <laughs> on a mission. I just did not care about him and what he was doing. Well, there you go. Well, that, I mean, that will define the experience for you because it is a story mm-hmm. about that character. And so if, if yeah. you know, if we're not connecting yeah. to it, that, you know, that makes complete sense. Um, Andrew, you seem like you were uh, heading somewhere. Well, I was going to say that it sounds like you guys didn't, uh, that I appreciated the, uh, Yvonne Stryavsky performance a lot more than you guys did. Her mm-hmm. big emotional speech that she gives, you know, that hit for me so hard. Uh, I don't know why. It was just good. It was powerful. I thought her performance was really good. I liked her performance throughout the entire movie. And they do something with her character where something is painfully obvious that you think is going to be you know, uh, shown later in the movie, but they don't care. They're going to get it out of the way. I loved that, actually. You know? I really did love yeah, that. I, I thought that was, I I thought like that was that. a great story yeah. movement. We'll talk about it yeah. more specifically in spoilers, but, but exactly. yeah, I thought that but was I'm a great But I'm glad moment. that they were like, because like, I knew of course. something, of course. and I'm like, but they didn't like, treat me like I'm not smart enough exactly. to figure that I, out already. That is exactly it. The, the biggest disconnect from movies is when they hold a secret that everyone knows as if everyone doesn't know it, you know? And it's just the worst. Yeah, give me some credit. Yeah. So On the yeah. other end of that, though, there is a character plant for foreshadowing that uh, I'll say has eruptive uh, elements to it that I was like, this is so obvious that this is going to come back later on. And I, oh, I kind of don't I know you want mean. it. Yeah, I don't want it to. I mean, it's there's an element to this movie that didn't need explained that the third act of this movie tries to explain that I'm like, "No, leave it all a mystery." I stop it. Yeah, stop <laughs> it. I don't want to know. But uh interesting. Uh yeah. I'm excited to talk about that in spoilers. I'm not sure I 100% agree, but I think I know what you're saying. Um but we'll we'll yeah. cover it in a little more detail in our Sif spoil uh which should should follow this episode. Uh, in your podcast feed, um, yeah. As far as the um, the character that uh, Yvonne uh, Strovsky um, played, uh, Stryovsky, I don't know. I'm just going to stop trying. Uh, we're going various. With, yes, we're going with YS. Uh, the the character that YS played. Uh, I I don't know. I felt I felt like she's fine. But I think story-wise and plot-wise, and again, we can't get into too much of it until spoilers, but I think she was dealing with, she was starting um, from a tough position with that character, and I just, there was so much about it I didn't buy that I think I was having trouble with her performance because of that, Um, which isn't fair to her as an actor, Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was kind of one of those things. Um, she has the most baggage out of any character in the movie, mm-hmm. I yeah. think. Yeah. Uh, Betty Gilpin showing up here as well. I'm loving seeing Betty Gilpin and stuff. Um, you know, that was weird. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it was weird. I saw. I was like, what? Really? Okay. I mean, yeah. yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Ian. No, I love that we um, we got a sneaky bit of um, Mary Lynn Ratchkub. From yeah, twenty four. I haven't yeah. seen her since Chloe in twenty four, and I think she's fantastic. Yeah. I'm like, yay! I'm rooting for you. Yeah, yeah. It was. 
it was it was interesting. Her and uh, Sam Richardson, uh, the Gator uh, character, um, yeah. they both uh, of all the performances, those two felt to me like they were in a little bit of a different movie than everybody else. Did you guys notice that? that and like, the, yeah, yeah, that and the other comic relief. Um, yeah. I can't remember his name. Yeah, um, Cohen. Mike, uh, Cohen. Uh, Sam Mike, Mike Cohen is the character's name. It's Mike Mitchell. Yeah, Mike actor. Mike Mitchell. Sam Richardson was the one I was talking about. So yeah, so yeah, did I? Yeah. So Nora Gator and uh, the Mike Mitchell character. I agree. Those three felt like oh, they're in a, a little bit of a more uh, silly. You're sci-fi. in the right film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good that's way to put it. And and I did that was noticeable because everybody else seemed to be taking it a little more seriously than than them on rightfully a, so. Well, yeah, it's <laughs> a fair point. It's, it's a fair point. Uh, let's see. What else do we want to talk about, guys? What else about this movie do we feel like we need to, to go through to kind of fully get our, our thoughts out on it? So you mentioned that you really liked the action. Mm-hmm. And I, I I agree. There's some of it that's great. And there's some there's actually a couple of cool, really cool one shots in it. But for me, most of it felt like shooting, shooting, shooting guns, shooting, shooting, Ooh, more shooting, shooting know, guns. Man. I don't. No. I don't feel that way. Yes, know. there was there was a lot of explosion. The there was a lot of artillery. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I liked about the movie that it wasn't just the it explosion waited. or the artillery uh, artillery on the screen. There was an understanding of what those explosions were doing, where that artillery was going. There were mm-hmm. visuals that showed, you know, um, the the creature involved. I thought the creature involvement in those shots was absolutely spectacular. Like. Um, none of the CG was bad enough that it was distracting for me. I thought it was all pretty well handled. Um, I was really impressed by, yes, there's a lot of, you know, explodey, explodey, but I, I think it happens, uh, in a way that made sense visually and also furthered the action and intensity and, um, the, uh, of the scene. So, so yeah, I think the, I totally agree with the, what they're shooting at is very specific. They're giving very specific instructions and they mm-hmm. follow them. And that's there's nothing worse than you've been told to do this and then you go and do something else mm-hmm. and the movie doesn't punish you for it. Like they follow right. the instructions. But for me, it did seem like a lot of bullets flying around. But I may, I may just need to rewatch it. Maybe I was just too invested in the story all, and I, just. I, I, I mean, maybe <laughs> I was just maybe I was just in like a, a you know an action movie stupor too. Like I may have just been yeah. you know in a giddy moment. But I need. This. I thought I I <laughs> felt yeah. like I felt like the shots were very specific. Like uh, especially a lot of the the detail work with you know appendages and those kind of things mm-hmm. and the the reason they were shooting at a certain creature in a certain place and um, you know I. It felt re- it felt right to me. So like I never felt like oh it's just more noise for noise sake mm. or more bullets for bullets yeah. sake. It all felt uh, very real. Yeah. My one last thing besides no post credit scene is that I think that this movie is very patient to get to that uh, shooty shooty boom boom mm-hmm. because like f- there's a pretty good. It is and it isn't. Time- I mean. I mean, do they did the thing that so many movies do that I'm getting annoyed by, which is bet you're wondering how I found myself here. You know, oh, like I am so dumb. I'm, I have a running joke, which is please stop opening the movie with the middle slash end of your movie. Yeah. It is it's so insulting that you think you this movie can't grab my attention and I don't have the the attention span to stick with you unless you give me five minutes of action up front. 
It's yeah. so annoying. So besides that, Andrew, you were talking about the the patience of the movie. Go ahead and continue. I didn't mean to to interrupt you, but no, no, you're fine. It, it, it's like bu- okay, so building from that moment that you're sure, talking about, sure, Ian, sure. like where that picks up to, like from where that starts to the big explosions and everything. I think mm-hmm. that the movie is very good at building suspense because while during that time, you know, you're getting a, a sense of the environment, you're getting a sense of the dread, you know, you're seeing the horrors that are, you know, around them. And then by the time the, you know, it is time for the guns to go off, you are, or for me anyway, I was like invested. I'm like, okay, because then you get the cool creature reveal. And it's, I think the way that they actually did the reveal for these things was so well done. They, it just didn't mm. pop out, you know, and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. there it is, you know, it, the slow pan. It, it's it's a good payoff, I think, because the entire movie up to that point, I think it's, I can't remember how long, but it's, it had to have been at least 40, 45 minutes before a gun was even shot in this movie, I think. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's, it's a long movie, but they do... I th- I didn't. I didn't feel like it was paced poorly, so I think I agree with you on that one. Is no. I think it for the two hour and twenty minute runtime. I think it uses that time wisely, and that's yeah. that's the one thing I would say. And that I'll make that my kind of one last thing is, and and I'll tie it back to what we were talking about with the uh, the intro scene. Um, but I think the movie, in so many ways, is unconcerned with typical storytelling tropes. Um, the movie has a lot of guts to do what it does with that third act. Um, and it, because the, you could say in many ways, uh, and I, I don't think you would be wrong in saying so that the real climax of the movie happens halfway through the movie. You know what I mean? So like to be yeah. able to say, nope, there's 45 minutes of movie left and we're going to hold your attention for 45 more minutes. Um, I, I like that, or try to, and I like that. Now mm-hmm. I know that last third act was your least favorite, Andrew, and I understand that. Oh, yeah. And and I think, uh, considering the level of difficulty, that doesn't surprise me because you know there are reason that that storytelling tropes are the way they are, um, because you know we are we are creatures of habit and we like hearing stories in a certain way. Uh, they're more exciting that way. So it made it even more disappointing to me that they did that thing at the beginning when the movie itself, throughout the rest of the movie, is just concerned with telling us the story uh, in the way that it wants to rather than in some sort of typical story way. So to do that, um, I bet you're wondering how I got here uh, opening um, (laughs) was, you know, was was really annoying to me because aside from even the trust thing that you're talking about, you know, which is a huge part Mm -hmm. of it. um, I think, I think the stuff you're talking about with patience, Andrew is even better if they don't put that intro scene there. I think I think the mm-hmm. the buildup of the characters finding our way into the family, all that kind of stuff because all this because what we're doing as a movie viewer now is we're integrating ourselves into the situation we're in instead of going, "Oh, when do we get back there? Oh, I wonder how they they get to that place." Oh, you know, like it just yeah. it adds this element of I know what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to be like Every great movie has to have an incredible, you know, action moment at the beginning or something, you know, mm. and it's, I don't know where we learned that. I was just uh, talking about the movie Airport recently, which I saw, which is often credited as being the first real big disaster movie that Hollywood uh, put out. That movie yeah. goes 90 minutes before any action. Like, yeah. like it's, it's crazy, like how much it trusts the audience <laughs> to be like, 
oh, I'm getting I'm getting involved in these characters. I'm understanding who they are. I'm getting the the mechanics of how they relate, where we're going with the plot, how that interacts. That's great. I love that stuff. And maybe they're right. Maybe modern audiences in general aren't like me and need that, or they're just going to be mm-hmm. bored and walk out of the theater or turn it you know, off at home or whatever. But um, but I'd like it better the other way. I'd like it without that. So yeah. I totally understand what you're saying. It was just interesting because that section of the, or that you know intro to the movie, I didn't give it a second thought. But I can see how now that you bring it up, it it is obvious how that could really irritate somebody. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ian, did you have one last thing you wanted to mention before we move on? Um, well, my lo- one last thing was that Shooty Shooty Boom Boom okay. was the right. sequel to Chitty Chitty Bang Bang that we've <laughs> Yes, yes. Yeah. So that was a direct-to-video version. Yeah, there yeah. is, a, there is yeah. a, a great pun title I'm sure somebody has made about a horrible action movie that involves uh, a swear word uh, off of the, the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang uh, mm-hmm. uh, movie title. I'm sure yes. that has been, has been done before. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's head into the next review then, shall we? Um, let's talk about No Sudden Move. You said a man wants to see me. Alley out back. Can't come in here. What, is he white? Oh, boy. So what's the score? We're sending a man that works in an office to pick something up. You are part of a babysitting team watching his family while he does it. Good morning. Everything is normal, except... What do you want? Is that something you'd say? Normal Monday? I'm gonna shoot you right now. A group of criminals are brought together under mysterious circumstances to have to work together to uncover what's really going on when their simple job goes completely sideways. No Sudden Move is available on HBO Max and at theaters i believe i believe you can go out and see this uh this one um you've got a wide-ranging cast uh towards the center <laughs> everybody's of it. in this yeah, movie. everybody's <laughs> in this movie uh towards the center of it you've got don Cheadle, benicio del toro kieran culkin uh david harbour uh plays a large role uh and then kind of on the periphery you've got people like john ham uh brendan frazier uh who we haven't seen in a long time um yeah that well was strange we, i guess yeah technically we haven't seen him but if you watch uh, 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 Doom Patrol, sure. he's the voice. Right. So. Uh, and Ray Liotta. Oh, interesting. Uh, and one other. Uh, Billy I Duke. Know, one other actor that we will uh, we will not name. Um, just yeah. because it's always. Oh, good, because I nearly did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I nearly just came right out with it. Yeah. I don't know. I always, not Billy I always, Duke, though. I always, I always find uh, it fun um, when a movie. Uh, hold, because his name isn't in the opening credits. And no. so. Um, so, or their name, I should say. Uh, their name is not in the God, opening credits. Yeah, you ruined it. I'm sorry. Anyhow. Um, <laughs> So yeah, what did you guys? Uh, oh, I should mention Steven Soderbergh uh, directing this one and yeah. uh, getting back on just being one of the most prolific directors out there. He's just putting stuff out all the time, and I love it. There was a time, what, ten years ago, where he was like, "I'm done making movies," and uh, we all knew he was. You got he was a lying, second wind, but uh, he mm-hmm. definitely is finding his second wind. So, uh, what did you guys think? Like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Andrew, why don't you uh, kick us off on this one? I liked it. Liked Solid it. Solid liked it. Solid liked it. Uh, Ian, what do you got? I'm the high side of liked it. I am 
cresting, but <laughs> yeah, for the, for the minute, I'm high side of liked it. High yeah. side of liked it. Uh, for, Aaron Soderbergh guy, what do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm in the loved it category. Um, probably low nice. side of loved it. Um, mm. Yeah, Soderbergh's got my number, man. I like. I just think he has this this way of telling stories where I'm just mm-hmm. always invested. It doesn't matter what the topic is. It doesn't matter who the characters are. I mean, it does, but but only in that he is telling me who they are, showing me who they are, showing me why this story is interesting, showing me why these you know people are important and what it means, and all the time underlaying these beautiful themes of whatever he has to say, usually about capitalism. Usually his movies mm-hmm. have a lot to do with... Um, with the idea of money and uh, trust. This one specifically had everything to do with trust. This is an entire movie about oh, who yeah. can you trust and the answer might be no one. Um, so, yeah, this, this, this movie is X-Files Trust No One, the movie. Um, this is, yeah, that is, that is really, <laughs> really what Soderbergh is doing here. But, yeah, I had a great time. I absolutely loved this. I think uh, Don Cheadle is perfect uh, at the center of this movie, he he is a steadiness in the craziness that's going on uh, around him, and is our perfect um, our perfect connecting point. He's not a perfect person, but he seems to be at a point in his life where he's just like had enough of the nonsense, and he you know he wants to find you know what his next chapter is, and. Um, I think if we have a rooting stake in the movie, it is with Don, the Don Cheadle character, and mm. and it's and it's interesting how it's. I, I'm excited to hear what you have to say, Andrew, as far as like you know um, where you might have uh, found a rooting place otherwise, or not at all. Um, but uh, but for me, you know, I I was in the place where I was like, this is this is the one of these people that is in the center while all this is swirling around. And then I'm just I'm rooting for them because they're just so no nonsense. They know where they're going. They know what they want. But the entire world around them is, uh, you know, trying to undercut them, undermine them. Um, anyhow, I really connected to that. Uh, we didn't mention John Hamm uh, flying in here for a cup of coffee, uh, playing his typical uh, FBI director character. Uh, it does so. make you think. Does this cross over with all of his detective films? Because <laughs> right. it could no, I, easily be copy and paste. Yeah, I honestly thought that this was the prequel to uh, uh, Bad Times at the El Royale, or the Town, you know? or whatever. Or the town. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, any of them. Yeah, he is. He's probably a Doctor Who type uh, character that just pops into <laughs> different eras uh, to play yeah, the exact same role. That's, what it is. that's the story I want. Um, so. So anyhow, I had a really good time with it. I think thematically, we all know that is kind of where I land on what means the most to me. And I think the just the nuance of the way this played with there's there's a scene where they're debating who gets to sit in the back seat, you know, and it's all about trust, right? <laughs> That's great. And it's so yeah. great. Yeah. And this movie is full of those scenes. It's full of those kind of just like little character moments that service the characters, but also service the themes and also service the plot. And by the way, the plot in this movie, and this is maybe even a negative uh, for some, if not maybe even a little bit me, is kind of confusing. It's like, it's, it's yes. and when I say that, it, I just mean it's intricate. Like, this is not a scroll on your phone while you're watching type movie. No. If you want to know what's going on and what this movie is about, um, you're going to have to pay attention. And I kind of dig that. I kind of like that. Um so, so yeah, yeah there I, isn't I really an exposition at the end which just explains every single step of this is where you went wrong and this is what everyone else was mm-hmm. doing. It kind yeah. of trusts you to have followed what happened. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. I see some. You know people... what that scene reminded me of? Do you remember in The Matrix Reloaded when he's talking to the architect in the room, and the architect is just going on with all this high, high rate, you know, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of like fancy words and stuff like that, and you're like. Okay, you're you don't really need to go on like this. Nobody talks like this mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. So. Which scene which scene reminds you of that? Are you talking about Mystery Man? How he's yeah, explaining Mystery how the Man. world works and how yeah. there's a plan and they don't know they're playing it. Oh, okay. Yeah, All he, right, yeah. He reminded me of the architect in the Matrix where I'm like, <laughs> Okay, yeah, you know a lot <laughs> of words that have a whole is. bunch of articulate, you know, uh, consonants and stuff like that. Here's my main issue with the movie. Uh, yeah. Uh, my main issue with the movie is I can't think of any character in this movie that had an arc. I think that every single character in this movie, maybe I'm wrong, but I can't think of any character in this movie who was different from who they were at the beginning of the movie. And it's really like, I'm not, that is really what helps me invest in a character. Mm -hmm. I think actually out of the, our two main leads, which I think are Don Cheadle and Benicio Del Toro, I was actually more invested in Benicio Del Toro because he kind of felt more like a angel on the shoulder to Don Cheadle, you know, like a, you need to stop being greedy, you know, stuff like that, you know. He he kind of seemed yeah, like a voice of reason. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but but and, so, and Don but- Cheadle was... Go so ahead, much, go ahead. No, oh. no, no. So much of that stuff, though, was uh, was wrong. He wasn't being smart. He wasn't being wise. He was being racist with a lot of that stuff. Like that's like part of his character was to part part of the story is how nobody around Don Cheadle understands who he actually is. There's this beautiful moment with Mystery Man that that sums this up for me, and the Benicio del Toro stuff does as well. Where Mystery Man says is talking about changing his name from Lowenstein oh to Lowen, and and yeah. Cheadle just says something like, "Yeah, that Stein thing must have been pretty hard," or something like that. Yeah, it's just like, this, that's exactly this beautiful, the same. understated like mm-hmm. this is my life, like you know, kind of thing, and it's so <laughs> yeah. great. And the Benicio stuff, a lot of it, like about the greed and that kind of stuff, is assumptions and projection that he's making about Don Cheadle. And we know it is because of what Don Cheadle does at the end of this movie. Like, it is. No, we don't know until the end of this movie. Well, that's what I'm saying. Still doesn't make sense. No, like, so you're saying that up until that point, you believe that what Benicio del Toro was saying was okay. Like, you thought it was, you thought up until that point it was coming from a place of like, hey, you're 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 playing with fire here. Because that's what I took from this movie, is Benicio Del Toro's like, I didn't really pick up on any racial uh, tones from, from Benicio to Cheadle. I felt it was more, well, there are some, obviously, there are I mean, some racist entire, things the, the back and forth. The entire beginning of their relationship is, I mean, yeah, those things sure. are overt in that, in those yeah. moments, yeah. But, but in the specific moments when Benicio del Toro is talking about, hey, you're playing with f- fire, you're rigorous, you're flying too close to the sun, you need to quit now. I don't think that that's a racial element. I think that's more of a a, a professional, like courtesy sort of thing, where he's like, hey, you we- and I, we both do the same thing, and this is you, you, you're smart enough that you should know when to back out. We so had, I'm saying I think that you didn't actually- get that. We had very different reads on those characters. I I think the Ronald Russo character 
is bad from the get-go. Like, he undermines Cheadle mm. every chance he gets. He tries to have him killed twice in this movie. He The only reason he goes with him is any at any point is because he sees maybe it'll lead to some extra money at some point that he can kill him and take his share. Um, when he mentions the things like the greed and those kind of things, there's almost always... I'll have to rewatch it, but I'm, I'm pretty sure there's almost always uh, an element of... You know, your your people are always too greedy. Your like, there's this element of he's assuming. I don't remember that. Yeah, I I'm not saying it is there. there. No, 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 I don't no. remember. And, it. And, and I'm not 100 percent sure. I've only seen this once, but I do remember those yeah. elements of at least in my read of the character was he is through his own uh, presuppositions because of uh, uh, Kurt Goins's race saying those things he's saying you know oh you're never going to be satisfied you guys can never get enough like it, it has nothing to do with the person like he's not I, I never got the sense he wanted to help don Cheadle's character in any way through this movie i thought it was all and again that goes with the theme of who can you trust and i don't think the ronald russo character was in any way uh somebody Cheadle was supposed to to trust on any of that stuff so interesting think- yeah we definitely watched two different movies then because <laughs> the entire time for me and ian i'm sorry but uh no, you're fine. the entire time i was like i think this movie is just nobody trusts anybody not specifically benicio del toro and uh don Cheadle, uh goins and uh what was uh charlie what was the uh, kieran culkin Char- character well kieran culkin culkin's character is interesting in and of itself I think that he is the definitive wild card, you know, mm-hmm. of that trio. Yeah. But also, I think he's the most informed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that that's really what kind of I feel like divides everybody. Uh, if you guys have time, uh, maybe we should rock a sip spoil on this one too, because I feel like there are yeah, some things agreed. to yeah, talk I'm about, okay with that. Uh, especially towards the end of this movie. Um, Ian, why don't you weigh in, weigh in on some of this? I'm curious to kind of hear yeah, sorry, your man. interpretation no, of, of that relationship, you know, uh, kind of overall, if you, you know, just kind of how you feel about the, the conversation we're no, having. No, that discussion and back and forth was more entertaining than No Tomorrow, or whatever we just reviewed. <laughs> <laughs> no Tomorrow Movements yes. War. Um, so on the, on the Russo stuff, I think what I read from Russo. it was, um, yeah, him and everyone is underestimating um goins everyone and whether that be because nobody's heard of him or it comes back to the race thing as well um and that hideous thing where there is apparent lack of intelligence which i totally believe that russo's character thinks that and everyone else in the movie seems to i think that's where it comes from is you can't possibly know the big picture um, so I'm not going to treat you with any respect. And all along, Goins is the only one that sees the various everything. setups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sees everything and sees the big picture and everyone is patronising to him and he just takes it because that's his life. That's He's had to fight through all of this and he's just confident that he's got, he has the cards. He doesn't yeah. always know when to not play them, but he, he sees the game probably better than anyone else. Yeah. Yeah, and there there is another element thematically uh, of this movie that is very uh, much about redlining and the racial situation in the 50s and the idea of uh, wealth, where does it come from, uh, you know, how is it accrued. Um, so, yeah, I think Soderbergh is definitely working in a lot of racial themes here as well mm-hmm. as uh, the, the themes of trust, which, by the way, those themes are very much interrelated. 
so <laughs> so yeah, I think uh, I think I think a lot of what you said is true. Um, and because of those things, I think that is why I did you know connect more to that character. Um, yeah. So no, was, the, um, was the fisheye camera just a gimmick, or yeah, was let's there talk about like it. any? Let's talk about it. Uh, yeah. I definitely don't think it's a gimmick. Um, Soderbergh is way too particular about what he does. There were several shots. And by the way, uh, part of what he's doing with that camera is uh, is that it is a an era-specific wide-angle lens. So it's not technically a fisheye. Uh, it's the type of wide-angle lens they would shoot with in the 50s. Uh, shoot like a panoramic the, sort of shot. Yeah, sort of yeah. And what it allowed him to do was... <clears throat> Uh, was to get shots of clarity with characters from different rooms and to see both sides of conversations. There are three or four different scenes that like, really depend on this wide angle to be able to give us what he wants to give us. Um, you know, mm. There's one where Ray Liotta's character is at his office in his desk while his wife is in the kitchen, and seeing both of them and their reaction to each other is so I think important to Soderbergh because of so much of the themes of the movie about trust, and he wants to mm-hmm. see the characters' reactions to what people are saying in in different rooms because you can read on their face the distrust or the disbelief or, or those kind of things. And that happened, I think, at least three times, maybe four, that it was used in that way. Um, so, so yeah, I definitely think it was specifically done with a purpose. Now, that is different than whether or not it's distracting. Um, and whether, you know, because that can also be true. It can also be distracting to the audience uh, if you notice the sides of the screen, you know, uh, wrapping a little bit, warping a little bit. Um, but I didn't mind it. I kind of liked it. Um, I'm, I'm a sucker for Soderbergh's uh, visual choices. I think he's he's always doing something interesting and creative, whether it's shooting from an iPhone or, you know, uh, doing a particular lens or whatever the case may be. So, mm. yeah. I really enjoyed that aspect of it. For me, it felt like it's a movie set in the 50s, but it felt like it was filmed in the 70s. -hmm. And I have no idea how you pull that off, but I was getting French Connection vibes. A lot of that was the score as well. And just the opening opening credits are very 70s as well. And I just, that hooked me from the first few seconds. I was like, yeah, Yeah. I'm in. I'm in my happy place. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it definitely did have an uptown funk kind of intro to it. And then it mm. said, boom, 1950s. I'm like, oh, well, okay. So we're oh, okay. <laughs> 20 <laughs> years earlier than I thought we were. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. that's the Tomorrow War is is funk. Yeah, that's the element of it. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Am, I am steadily moving into like loved it, loved it territory. This happens mm-hmm. with me sometimes. Um, but I just keep thinking of... of Things that Soderbergh chooses to do that just are are so interesting and fun. The way he shoots cars in this movie, in the way he shoots the city of Detroit in this movie, is really really cool because this is a city that at the time was like the third largest city in the country. Like in the fifties, mm-hmm. Detroit and the auto industry were you know oh that it was, was like, America. Yeah, it was like it was L.A., New York, and Detroit, you know, and now it's L.A., New York, and Chicago. But you know, for a time, it was like Detroit was you know one of the biggest cities in the country, and now it's you know it's abandoned basically. Yeah. Um, so you know, and and he's kind of getting at the heart of that, and kind of like he does some stuff with shot angles on the cars in this in this uh, movie where he's emphasizing how a window is rolled down or how a door is opened or how a trunk closes or like he is this movie is 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 very automobile centric in a really interesting way especially knowing it's in Detroit you know like and that's kind of yeah, the yeah. whole thing that's going on and again the whole like underlying MacGuffin which isn't 
technically a MacGuffin because it it really is. You know, we do find out what it is. It's, and why it's, it's essential and critical. Yeah, is about automobiles. So you know, yeah. like, and of course it is. Um. So yeah. Anyhow, I, I that's another part of this I really really loved. Um, there's a final. Get... Sc- Sorry, go on. I was gonna say there's a final scroll in this movie that I felt was unnecessary. I I don't know. I think it's exactly what Soderbergh wants us to like. He's not cons- he's not like he told the story he wanted to tell with the characters, and so with the scroll he wants to go look. This is the point I was making, uh, or this is this is the this is the MacGuffin. Basically, the final scroll is like you know, the MacGuffin means something, and this is because by the way, it's true. Like that, th- this whole movie is based on a a true conspiracy um, that really really happened. So you know. Uh, it's not on a true like the story in here isn't true, but the yeah. MacGuffin is true. Uh, interesting, yeah, enough. yeah. So, and yeah. and you got to think a lesser uh, it might be a bit mean, but a lesser director might have, might have opened the film with based on true events. Because, right? Yeah, yeah they would have put that scroll at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I like that um, we're figuring I, it out with the characters. Like yes. Don Cheadle doesn't know what this is about. He just knows it's some sort of doesn't you know, care. Doesn't this care. Is dollar bills. Yeah. Doesn't matter what's in yeah. the in the envelope. Yeah. And when that when the MacGuffin is revealed, and when you you do get the resolution at the end, the stuff and the way that vehicles are shot for me i was just like oh man that really that pays dividends it pays off mm-hmm. even more because you can't not notice it as you go through the film and you're like that's unusual and then when you realize what the the document is about you're like oh man that this is this is really about the cars this is this is a <laughs> movie about cars and you didn't tell me <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh i think we're ready for one last thing especially if we're going to do a sif spoil and go a little more into detail mm. um so if there is anything else uh you guys want to chat about uh, Ian, no is there, scene. There's, there's no post-credit scheme. That is true. Uh, Ian, I have two, one last things. Sure, um, go for it. Did it feel a bit Cohen-y? Like the, the the structure and how some of it was written gave me like Cohen vibes. Sure, and sure. Yeah, I loved it. it. The, the crime, Absolutely the loved crime stuff felt uh, yes. especially Cohen-y. Um, yeah. The double crossing and <laughs> the no yeah. one... Does anyone really know how this all ended up okay for most of the people? And they're all just like, well, yeah. I don't know how we got into this mess, but it seems to have resolved itself. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um. Uh, and if... um. Yeah, just, I mean, heaven forbid if Disney and Soderbergh ever team up, we will just... We will lose Aaron entirely. Oh, was, I'm not going to lie. I was thinking... After I watched this movie, I don't know why it popped in my head, but I'm like, if Soderbergh ever directs a Pixar movie, Aaron is going to flip. He will implode. Because while I was watching this movie, I'm like, I bet Aaron is loving this right now. Especially if it's a musical. I feel like I'm the negative guy here, but (laughs) I like the movie, don't forget. I liked it. Yeah, no. A musical Soderbergh Pixar film. Yeah, yeah, it'd be amazing. Uh, Andrew, you are in the unenvious position of liking a movie a little bit less than the other two people. I've been in this position before, and then it sounds Mm -hmm. like you're the one that hates the movie. I think that is is good for you. I liked it. I know, I know, I know, I know. Uh, Did you have It's the same with Tomorrowland. I didn't hate it. It just sounds like I did. Uh, did you have uh, one last thing other than no post credit scene, Andrew? Um, no. Yeah, I think we will talk more in spoilers uh, about other things that uh, I want to touch on. But um, but overall, uh, yeah, I just I had a really good time with this. And um, Soderbergh's got my number. Uh, let them all talk. Just kind of went completely under the radar uh, for a lot of people last year and it was one of my favorites um he's just consistently telling great stories and um 
I did a a uh, a ranking on Letterbox of the 19 of his movies that I've seen. Um, and there are several I haven't, especially from earlier on. Um, the most prominent I haven't seen is probably Behind the Candelabra. I've just I've never gotten around to seeing that one. Um, it's it's interesting. But uh, but I was just I was amazed at like going through that list. Just like oh. Like he he's he may be in my top three directors of all time now. Like, you know, and that's that's tough company. He's he like man, I may have to do that list. I may have to make that list in my brain because, you know, you've got Hitchcock and Spielberg are just givens and it's just like who who else do I put on the Mount Rushmore, you know? Like who else is up there for me and you know I don't know, but I just saw Danae leave the chat. <laughs> you said <list. laughs> Yeah, she She's not a big list. No, I would love to. I would love to rewatch yeah, this film. <laughs> yeah, I would love to rewatch this film with you, Aaron, because yeah. watching watching somebody enjoy something. Like, I really enjoyed it, but you really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't I realize. I didn't realize. I, like I, I gave, so I gave it a. Um, <laughs> sorry, Danae is in the chat, yeah. <laughs> uh, and like somehow creating a paradox where she comments in the chat that he's not wrong about Danae leaving the chat. So like I'm trying to Broke figure out the brain. paradox in my in my brain here about what's Let's going on. Just all the possible paradoxes it could have been. <laughs> so basically my my one final thing is uh, I am excited to talk about if there were any parts of the actual story or plot that you guys are still confused by. Like if there's still parts you're putting together of what happened where, what happened uh, when you know those kind of things um, because I, I think, think there's I, only one. I think I pretty much got it, except for one thing that I'm mm-hmm. still noodling around and trying to to piece together. I so wonder if it's the same it thing. It might be. It might be. Look forward mm-hmm. to talking in the sip spoil. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, all right. Before we head on to our best ever challenge, just a reminder that you can be a Sif Pop member. Um, that all happens at Patreon. Patreon.com slash sift pop and there are different levels that come with different perks you can go check it all out there one of those perks is a weekly bonus podcast every week we record a little conversation um you know 5 10 15 minutes about something uh, either that you guys suggest or that's on our minds this week as mentioned we talked about the difference between uh, movie culture in the uk and the u.s if you want to listen to that as well as have commercial free podcasts uh, monthly um, uh, video hangouts, uh, those kind of stuff. You can check all that out at patreon.com slash Pop. And thank you to existing Sif Pop members. Love you, appreciate you. You really do keep this thing going, uh, and we appreciate it. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, All right, let's get into the best ever challenge. Uh, Best ever J.K. Simmons movies. Um, It's quite a a little uh, little list of movies Mr. Simmons has been in. It was much 
much longer than I expected, and yeah. I feel immediately bad for having not seen 90% of it. <laughs> nice. We'll start at number five. We will go to number one. Uh, I will let you know ahead of time. I just picked a couple honorable mentions. There are certainly plenty of them, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. I just kind of picked my like favorite, favorite uh, J.K. Simmons movies. I have, I have a pretty good amount, so I'll just pick up the scraps at the end okay. for those. All right. uh, we'll start at number five, and uh, I'll kick us off this time. Uh, I had Up in the Air uh at my number five um good movie i yeah this is just such a great film great performances uh i rewatched it within the last few years and uh just just really really holds up well um not only with the performances but also with the subject matter and just kind of going into you know the idea of how culture is changing how jobs are changing uh all that stuff seems more relevant uh than ever so up in the air is my number five. Very cool. Uh, Andrew, why don't you go next? Well, yours was a Jason Reitman movie, mm-hmm. and so is mine. Nice. I'm going to go with his directorial debut, actually. Thank you for smoking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what a fascinating movie. Mm-hmm. For the simple fact that you are rooting for the chief spokesperson for Big Tobacco on why smoking is cool. Mm-hmm. It's such an interesting movie. Like Aaron, uh, uh, yeah, sorry. I, so uh, Aaron Eckhart, mm-hmm. I always have trouble with his name. Aaron Eckhart's character is so charming and charismatic that you're like, smoking is cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna start smoking. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's funny because he does that whole, you know, like uh, bring your dad to school and have your dad tell us what he does for a living. So, and you're like, oh, so he's going to go to this school and tell little, like, 10-year-old kids that smoking is cool, you know, stuff like that. And uh, and he's part of that, uh, I forget what it, like, the, the Four Horsemen or whatever it is, you know, it was like him, alcohol, and firearms, and somebody else, you know. Mm-hmm. It, like, they all meet up and for drinks on, like, all the stuff they have to deal with. It's a fascinating movie with a pretty interesting message to it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good choice. Good choice. What do you got at number uh, five, Ian? I'm really glad that the graphics aren't here because I changed my list last minute. Oh, I felt nice. too guilty. Nice. I wasn't going to do it, but now I can. <laughs> um, so at number five, I, it's a bit of a cheat. He's not in it a lot, but Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, yeah. There is no cheat. There is no cheat. If he yeah. is in it, he is in it, and it counts. Yeah. Um, and Spider-Man 2 is a great Spider-Man movie. Yeah. yeah. It's not the most... Yeah, it's not the most nuanced um, J.K. Simmons performance you're ever going to see. He's playing a caricature, and he's picked it up in a lot of the animated Spider-Man stuff as well. But he is J. Jonah Jameson. He is that Mm -hmm. character. He does exactly what he's supposed to do. And it's not my favourite Spider-Man film, but it is my favourite one that he's in. Um, Yeah, he does does a great job in that. It's just a fantastic, fantastic entry in the Spider-Verse. Spider-Man yep. 2 is a very underappreciated movie. I agree. Yeah, it like, was definitely in my honorable mentions. Out of all the Tobey Maguire, like, the Toby, out of, like, the Tobey Maguire and the Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man mm-hmm. 2 is the best out of all yeah. yeah, absolutely. And those Spider-Man films set the tone and the groundwork for what Marvel's doing now. They, mm-hmm. they 
more than any other superhero film, Spider-Man did it first. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like uh, if my uh, understanding of the the winds blowing are correct, uh, that they they may be introduced as canon in the current Marvel universe. Uh, so we will yeah, see. It seems to be... change every week. They're all in it. None of them are in it. They're yeah. all in it. None yeah. of them are in it. Yeah. Well, we know Doc yeah. Ock uh, is in it uh, for sure. Like and he is. J.K. Simmons and J.K. Simmons. So yeah, yeah. It'll be it'll be interesting. Uh, right, Air number four. My number four is Palm Springs. Uh, Same. Nice. Uh, recent addition uh, to the J.K. Simmons Library. Um, we've talked a lot recently, uh, whether it be on year-end episodes or other best ever challenges or just in reviewing the movie recently, um, how awesome this movie is. Uh, what a pleasant surprise and just a ton of fun to watch. Um, so It's yeah. a list of shame for me from last oh, year. Oh, you should check it out, man. Every... Everyone I trust says it's amazing. I just yeah. need to do it. Yeah. No, it is. It really is. I um, don't know if it's one of those, like, I had such low expectations going into this movie, yeah. and I was shocked by how good it is that I don't know, you know, now that it is getting such high praise going in with that high bar. Do you know anything about the movie? I know that Andy Sandberg is in it, and there is a swimming pool. I will say this. I got that from the poster. (laughs) I'll say this. This is a movie I would really, I really did appreciate going in knowing nothing about it. Yeah, it's a So I don't want to say too much, but go in knowing absolutely nothing and enjoy the ride. Mm. Yeah. It's It's on Netflix over here. I'll probably stick it on tomorrow. There you go. Yes. There you go. There you go. Uh, Andrew had that at number four as well. Ian, what is your number four? I'm moving my list around again. The freedom, the chaos. Um, Twenty-one bridges. Um, I that's on my recent gonna, list of shame. I haven't I haven't caught Twenty-one oh, Bridges yet. Do I know Twenty-One? Watch Bridges? this film. It's uh, Chadwick Boseman it's, too, right? Chadwick Boseman. It's it's not the best film of its type, but I really super thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, I think nice. it's fantastic. I did want. He's to not this. in it. Yeah, he's not in it a huge amount. He is playing exactly the kind of cop that you think jk simmons will, mm-hmm. will play um but yeah absolutely nails it chadwick boseman is really understated in this film um it's simple enough premise but it's just delivered it, it's like taken it's not going to blow your mind but it does what that genre should do with a mm-hmm. movie yeah it um, doesn't disappoint yeah loved it yeah i have to check it out um that's a great recommend uh let's see on to our number threes uh, yep. This is where I have Zootopia. Um, there's kind of that that big run of Disney animated films, non-Pixar Disney animated films, um, that I think they kind of continue to be on, and they're just all really solid movies. And I think Zootopia even stands above a lot of those movies. Um, you know, there's just there's a lot of fun to be had here. There's some uh, really beautiful themes here. It's interesting how some of the racial allegory in Zootopia has aged in, in the last decade or so. Because there are some parts of it I think they would have done a little bit differently um, now. And then there are other parts of it that you're like, this is such a you know important, beautiful thing to say. And um, But I really like it. I really think Zootopia is great and uh, definitely recommend from me. So that is my number three. Uh, Andrew, what do nice. you got at number three? Well, you're going to trump it, so I might not even <laughs> well say it, but La La Land. Sure, I'll trump that. I'll trump that. Yeah. Uh, Ian, you're number three. 
Um, number three, I've got Burn After Reading. Um, mm. Again. Oh, you're trumped nice, by Andrew. Nice, cool. I'm happy to talk about that. Yeah, <clears throat> that's fine. All right, so we're on to our number twos. This is where we can talk yep. about La La Land. Unless Ian trumps it. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless Ian has it at oh, number one. No. no. <laughs> we, we we all know what number one is. Let's not play that game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'm trying to maintain some semblance of no, suspense here. You're doing the thing that you said where the movie has a spoiler that it doesn't want to give you until everyone knows the spoiler to this. This isn't a movie. This is a podcast. It's a different thing. Yeah. It's a different thing. Uh, Technically, it, this was a, oh, I'm curious what everybody's five through number two is. Yeah, well, exactly. Because <laughs> we did the same thing last time because we have the same the same film yeah. but for a different reason. Well, that's fine. Yeah. That's just that's just poor planning actually, on my part. Actually, you know what? I was actually kind of, uh, no pun intended, up in the air about uh, whether Aaron <laughs> would have the number one or La La Land. Because mm-hmm. I know how much Aaron loves La La Land. But, I hey, do. We're here I now. Do. Aaron, why is La La Land? You made the right choice. I had La La Land at number two. Andrew, you had it at number three. Is that right? Yeah, you had it at number three. Um, Look, guys, we won't we we won't be done talking about this. uh, Not to spoil our number (laughs) ones, but Damien Chazelle knows how to make movies. Uh, Yeah, especially movies about music. Movies about music, Mm. but just he under. I I really feel like he has such a great grasp on how the audience is feeling, where they are. Like he takes them where they need to be. Um, So yeah, Damien Chazelle is incredible. Musicals are my thing. The nod, one of my things, the nod to all the different classical musicals in here is beautiful. The fact that it's original new music uh, is astounding to me. I still find the soundtrack so very memorable and singable and fun. Um, and you know, the performances it's, what's so beautiful about this movie to me is something that I think a lot of people didn't like about it. A lot of people wanted better singer dancers, uh, in the top roles. And I just think they are so perfect and human and I think they dance great. And I think they sing great. You know, is it Gene Kelly or Fred Astaire? No, but it's, you know, it's, uh, it's Emma and Ryan. I mean, what are you going to do? Like it's, it's absolutely their chemistry is there's a reason they're in several movies together. You know, they just they yeah. do really good stuff together. I think it's hilarious. I think it's fun. Um, it is one of my favorite movies of all time. So, yeah, La La Land. I know this would have made my list if I'd seen it. This is a <laughs> big list of shame one. For, I know do you usually I haven't like, seen it. Do you usually like musicals? I heavily, heavily dislike musicals. Okay. That's exactly so why. So there you go. So no, I, I totally get that. I so love I- Hamilton. I, well, yeah, I held off on Hamilton for so long, and I freaking love Hamilton. So I'm prepared for I'm prepared to like La La Land. It just for me to do it justice, I've got to catch it on a day where I can watch a musical. Sure, I <laughs> yeah. totally get that. Totally, get Ian. That. I'll tell you this: uh, don't let the opening segment <laughs> check out. I'm done. You're singing it. No, me, I'm no, leaving. no. It's one of those things where like the opening segment is not the defining quality or even tone of the movie. This movie it's not is much of more what's coming next. Exactly. It's much more interested in telling a story than doing dance numbers and having songs sure. and stuff like that. And and it's a movie that really understands how to make a song or a dance number impact the story as a whole as as opposed mm-hmm. to it being its own entity. So yeah. as me somebody who is not really a fan of musicals like you I can really, really recommend La La Land. It's Brilliant. it's cool. it's superb. Uh, I would say, you know, if if the song part of it is not what you're into, pay attention to the filmmaking part of it. It's, even that mm-hmm. opening scene is a simulated one shot, and it's absolutely 
incredible. Uh, it, yeah, it's a, it's te- it's a technical achievement whether or not you're enjoying mm-hmm. the music or not. Um, but uh, but yeah. So anyhow, there's Lala. It's weird because I like music. I really really <laughs> like music, but for some reason, well, when you put music and movies together, it just it. Yeah, more but- often than not, it's a crutch or it slows it down. But I, I'm. I'm sure I'm sure La La Land does it well. But singing a song and using a song to tell a story are I mean, okay, when you sing a song you are telling a story a lot of times. Yeah. But but as far as using it in a visual sense, like it changes things. It's a to- it's a different it's a different mm-hmm. feel uh to listen to music and to watch a musical. And the type mm-hmm. of music that is in musicals is often a almost a different genre of music. You know, it's yeah. it's very bright, it's very expressive, it's, you know, so there's that part of it. Too. And I definitely blame my brain for this. Of just right, you guys are going through some stuff here. You would not start dancing and singing. You all hate each other. He just stole your apple and now he's dancing with a monkey. Could you just stop? Get back to the story. Aladdin. So you have seen La La Land. Yeah, exactly. I didn't I didn't realize you had <laughs> right, okay. actually seen it. Uh all right, let's uh let's get to our number whiplash. Uh nope. we I still got uh, my no, number two. Oh, okay. So uh, got my number two. Uh Ian, yeah. what's your number two? <clears throat> Um, I don't know if this counts. I don't care. Invincible. Oh, um, it doesn't. But TV show. No, we don't do TV no? shows here. Do we we not? Do, no, Good. these are movies. Um, tough. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I don't care. We let's just talk about Whiplash. Um, no, Invincible. No, I got my number two it, still. Oh, we didn't get okay. your number two, Andrew. I thought we did <laughs> for some reason. No, I, uh, I jumped. Burn after reading. Oh, that's oh, what yeah. it was. Let's do that that's instead. what it was. And then we'll get to uh, Ian's rule breaking. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about burn after reading first. Burn. <laughs> this movie is banana hammocks. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it is <laughs> insane because it can go back and forth between between being No Country for Old Men, shocking violence mm-hmm. to ridiculous Big Lebowski. It is every single Coen Brothers movie compiled into one. The craziness of this, you know, uh, story going back and forth. And it's kind of like J.K. Simmons is narrating (laughs) how insane everything is. Mm -hmm. Because he's just as like, this is ridiculous. He has the same thought process as the rest of us. I will tell you this right now. Brad Pitt steals this movie. This is like some of the most fun I've ever seen Brad Pitt have. And the climax slash twist with him and George Clooney is one of the most shocking things. And like, it's one of those like where as soon as that moment happens in the movie, I'm like, I actually like got the breath knocked out of it. Oh, oh. Whoa. I did yeah. not know that was going to happen. That's one of those, like, uh, oh, okay, so we're in No Country for Old Men now. Okay, so fine. Okay. Yeah, we're back to that <laughs> uh, genre. Yeah. yeah, we're whipping into that one. But uh, I think George Clooney is hilarious in this. Francis McDormand is always great. I think everybody is perfectly cast in this movie. Perfectly cast. It is one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies. Nice. This is one of the times where I realized actors can act differently. So I was... Um, uh, 18 when this movie came out and it was the first eight so our ratings over here are a bit different we have 12 15 18 so it'd be the mm. first ever r-rated movie that i was able to see and i was like hey you're not brad pitt brad pitt does like all of the the things with the action and stuff um, <laughs> he's acting completely differently he's just and, dancing on a treadmill yeah, man he's just dancing about in a gym it's great <laughs> and 
specifically J.K. Simmons stuff, it just kills me. It's like, so what did we learn, Palmer? Well, I, I guess we learned not to do it again, but I'm forked if I know what we did. Like, it's yeah. just brilliant that he is exactly what we're feeling. The guy, that, the agent that's bringing him all of these updates, he's In waiting for a beating. He's waiting for him to be told, like, you've really screwed this up. And, and J.K. Simmons is just like, um, well, I guess that resolved itself. Yeah. Uh, what do you? What do we do next? Well, I don't actually think we need to do anything. I think we're good. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. J.K. Simmons is so perfectly exhausted by what's happening in yes. this movie. Yeah. I'm not even I mad. I'm just confused. It's great. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Okay. I really enjoy it. Um, it's you know I just have a lot of other Coen Brothers I put above it usually. Um, but yeah, no, I'm glad we're talking about it for sure. Uh, all right, Invincible. Uh, Ian. Um, we'll do it quick and I'll send an alternate for wherever this goes. Um, <laughs> no, no I just good. think you're it's good. great. I think it's I love I think him. It is great. It's. I've got some issues with, and I think I'm the only person in the entire planet that has issues with the amount of gore. And I think it by the end of it, it is gratuitous. But regardless, what, what J.K. Simmons does and his... Oh man, his acting is and his voice acting in this is phenomenal. Like, there's every name under the sun is in this show. Um, oh yeah, Stephen Yeun. But yeah, well, the entire Walking Dead cast is in this show, but he really steals it for me. Um, yeah. And it might be because I'm picturing um, Fletcher from Whiplash the entire time because it's in a lot of ways the same character. Um, but Just yeah, his uh, his scenes were fantastic. Yeah, I. Uh... <laughs> I, you're not the only person on the planet. Uh, I think the gore is gratuitous as well. Um, I, I do think it needs some of it. I think it doesn't have the Agreed. same brutal impact if you don't see some of that. But I do think there is a lot of, um, you know, uh, gory glory, you know, where it's like, uh, I don't quite need to see so many teeth. Yeah. Leaving people's yeah. Yeah. Faces. We're, we're doing this because we can kind of thing. Um, yeah. but, uh, but story wise, it's, it's really well done and it's dealing mm-hmm. in some, some areas that, uh, that uh, certainly lots of movies and TV shows have played in before. Um, but it's doing it in an environment in a, uh, a genre that hasn't really dealt with some of that stuff. And nope. it's like, uh, I don't know. It's, it, it's like if the, if the TV show, the, the boys, boys decided to, yeah. to be a little, uh, little deeper with its family dynamics and under you know mm-hmm. um and consequences uh you know personal relational consequences um kind of think the boys ways. is more of a cartoon than invincible is. in some ways yeah in many ways it is uh all right now we will do our number whiplash uh yes. so congratulations whiplash you win all right on to the honorable mentions <laughs> I, I honestly, Aaron, I honestly don't know what else I can say about it. No, no, no. Movie. It's fine. People get it. We love Whiplash. Uh, J.K. Simmons Ugh. was in it, and not only in it, but... Uh, All over it. He, he is defining. it. He, he is <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, yeah, it's my third, I think it's for my third, it's my third favorite movie of all time. That's awesome. And I think it's the, I think it's the best movie ever made. Yeah, I've got it in the 30s. So. I think it's in the 30s for me. Um yeah. So yeah, that's no, not it's... quite my tempo, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about honorable mentions. Ian, did you have any that you wanted to throw out there? Uh, completely, honestly, no, I did not. Okay, uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to throw out a couple that are kind of personal to me that a lot of people wouldn't think of. 
Uh, Hidalgo. I like Hidalgo more than most people. Um, and uh, J.K. Simmons is in that. Uh, this is a horse racing across the desert movie. Um, it's a I fun un- movie. I, l- re- I actually like it. It's oh, a good, good. Family good. Movie. Um, yeah. So anyhow, that is one that uh, that you might want to check out. Um, Klaus, I mentioned earlier, would come back. J.K. Simmons does a voice in the Netflix Christmas movie. I think came out last Christmas or the Christmas before. Two. Um, Two Christmas. Really before. solid Christmas movie. Um, really, really fun. So check out Klaus if you haven't. And uh, For the Love of the Game, uh, which is a Kevin Costner baseball movie. I've mentioned uh, at times that I don't know how much of my love for this movie has to do with the fact that he's pitching for the Detroit Tigers. Uh, but <laughs> I, I admit that that's part of it. But also I think the way the uh, perfect game is handled uh, is, is really intense and interesting. So I enjoy that movie. Yeah. And then Young Adult, speaking of Jason Reitman, wanted to mention that one uh, as well, because I think it's really, really good. What do you got, Andrew? Well, as long as we're talking about Jason Reitman, let's talk about Juno. Yeah. Probably should Love Juno. Yeah, it's a great movie. Uh, I think I was like the right age when this one came out, because I think it was either like fresh out of high school or still in high school. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. But uh, no, Juno was just like super amazing jk simmons as her father is hilarious Mm -hmm. uh another movie i'm gonna throw is i love you man i think it's a very underrated you know like you know friendship movie Mm -hmm. i think that you know both of them are just the chemistry is perfect and then a movie that i thought was going to be really bad but turned out to be surprisingly good as Patriot's Day. I thought Patriot's Day had some really powerful emotional moments in it. I thought it was going to be a bad Marky Mark movie, Mm -hmm. but no, this is like, oh, I I should have known. I'm not going to lie. I should have known that this was going to be, you know, one of those powerful movies because it's uh, uh, not only Marky Mark, but it's Peter Berg. And Peter Berg just has my number when it comes mm-hmm. to movies. Like I love Lone Survivor. Um <clears throat> and I'm trying to remember the 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 oil rig one that he did with Mark. Oh yeah. Wahlberg yeah. yeah. Um uh, that was uh I want to say Deep Impact, that? but that's the asteroid movie. No, it's Deep Water Horizon. Deep Water Horizon. Deep Water Horizon. Horizon. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, that movie is both of those movies are superb. I think both Deep Water and I, I think really they came out. That. They both came out the same year, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. They did a deep impact Armageddon. Yeah, they did. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Patriot's Day. And that's going to be my honorable mentions. Nice. I'm surprised you didn't throw the uh, the True Grit remake in there. Um, oh, I will then. Wait. <laughs> I, didn't, I forgot he was in that. Yeah. Is J.K. Simmons in that? I Ish. I, ish. Yeah. I don't remember, yeah. actually. I just, when my research was like, oh, True Grit, I, you know, I didn't remember that. He played the horse. <laughs> same role as Hidalgo. That's amazing. Yeah. There we go. He's, he's always got. No, when it comes great. to uh, when original. it comes, yeah, when it comes to westerns, I'm in the minority. I'm not really a John Wayne fan. Mm-hmm. And this newer iteration, I thought it was really good. Maybe on like a second viewing, I've only seen it once. On yeah. a second vu- viewing, I would like it more, but I just remember not being able to understand anything that he said. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think yeah. it's quite deliberate. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. that, that is on purpose. It's not very John Wayne-y, the, um, the original no. True Grit. It's probably oh, the really? least John yeah. Wayne-y oh, yeah. that he is. Yeah, I just saw that recently, actually, uh, for the first time. So, uh, the original. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's move on to our buried treasure. Uh, Ian, as the guest, you get to finish uh, buried treasure. Uh, Andrew, why don't you start us? 
So with the Tomorrow War, I was thinking, oh, this is a really interesting, you know, time travel movie. What would be a fun time travel movie to talk about in my buried treasure? So I'm going to go with the quote-unquote most accurate slash overly complicated time travel movie of all time. Mm. Anybody want to take a guess? Uh, 12, say primer. 12 Monkeys. No, not 12 Monkeys. I'm, it's going to be Primer. Primer. Yes, uh, good man. Primer. Oh, I love this film so much. <laughs> okay, so I just recently rewatched Primer. I still love it. I think this is a phenomenal movie. But I'll tell you something. I went on YouTube afterwards, and there is... I wish I could remember the actual name of the video, but there is a like an animated like play-by-play oh, play on... like somewhere. Yeah, like... So... Uh, it's like a Aaron A, and then they call it like Abe A or Aaron B, uh-huh. and that it helps you keep track of where you are in the mm-hmm. timeline. I'm not saying that the movie does a bad job at that. I'm just saying that this movie is so dedicated to being as accurate as they think time travel works that it can get confusing. But man, once you understand what this movie is Mm -hmm. and what this movie is doing, it is phenomenal. And it is one of the most simplistic plot synopses ever. It's the execution that makes it complicated, but also great. It's guys that want to go back in time and make money on the stock market. Mm -hmm. That's the movie. But without bumping into the, themselves. But yeah, without bumping into themselves, the amount of mathematics other. and philosophical implications that this movie goes on is crazy. And that's what breaks them. That that, philo- yes. that philosophical thing, it as soon as that question is asked, there was no going back because as soon as you've had the thought, at some point in the future, you will do this and break break the time travel. Um, yeah. And yeah, the movie doesn't care about explaining how it works. It's it is the ultimate. I will trust the audience and hope you get there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Aaron. Uh, I mean, uh, Shane Carruth, uh, who directed and is the main star in this, is Aaron. I'm pretty sure he was a theoretical physicist before he. I think that was his job. I I need to look it up so I'm actually right. But he was actually a theoretical physicist before he wrote and directed this movie because he wanted it to be as he wanted a, a time travel movie that was as accurate as possible. And actually, mm-hmm. speaking of the Tomorrow War, I actually think that the Tomorrow War follows kind of the same rules as Primer in the sense that time travel can't exist until time travel is invented. You can't go back before, like in I don't Primer, think time, you can't go back. I don't, I don't think the Tomorrow Dude, War they? does that, um, but, but I think Primer it does because I think I think they say in the Tomorrow War they can't send people back before that machine is turned on. No, 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 no. no. It's just they have the one sure? location they can Correct. send because it's just, thirty years in the past. Yeah, it's a progressive thirty years. No, you're right. You're absolutely so, right. So yeah. yeah, it doesn't follow Primer rules. Yeah, yeah. Because the very first time Nothing they come back is the in the rules. in the football field. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for some reason I thought, but no, you're absolutely right. Um, but that is but anyway. I love I love the, the way Primer thing. sets yeah. it up to where you can't go back in time before time travel is invented. You correct. You turn on the box. the box. I mean, that's yeah, logical, right? That's logical. Yeah. If time if time travel were invented, that you could just jump willy nilly, wouldn't we have you know met time travelers before? Like you know, I know exactly. I know humans. Uh, <laughs> we're not we're not great at. Uh, 
keeping I'm not secrets. Great at keeping secrets. <laughs> no. no. So. But we're also not good at believing other people too. So. Yeah, that's true. But no, I'm I'm right there and with yet you. some of the things we do believe. <laughs> uh, I yeah. Wanna, I wanted to mention a show for my buried treasure that I I'm not sure if I've recommended before. It was on uh, Netflix, I think, for two seasons. Got canceled from Netflix and now is back on. I'm going to say Adult Swim. I should look it up because I'm actually not sure um, where where it's showing. But it's Tuca and Birdie. Um, T U C A Tuca and Birdie B E R T I E, uh, and follows uh, the couple of. Um, it's an animated show where the characters are vaguely animals or plants, uh, and it follows. Uh, a toucan voiced. Um, I should have looked all all of this up. It's Tiffany Haddish. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> t- it's Tiffany Haddish. Uh, and who is Birdie? Um, Ali Wong. Thank you. Tiffany Haddish and Ali Wong are the main characters. Stephen Yun, who we've mentioned uh, before, uh, is the husband of Birdie as well. Um, this is one of the quirkiest, most interesting TV shows uh, I've ever seen. It has very, very much a female perspective on the world, and I love that. I love that there's like, uh, you know, a show that I can get into to, you know, find a different set of eyes to view the world uh, through. And this is kind of one of those shows uh, for me. So it's probably unlike a lot of what you've seen, um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, it is very adult. Uh, but um, yeah. Yeah, something something you might want to check out. Andrew, have you seen any of the episodes? I've seen the pilot, yeah. and uh, I was intrigued by the art style, which yeah. is in and of itself very distinctive. I can't mm-hmm. really think of any other show that is comes anywhere close to this type of art style. It's almost uh, not Van Goghish, but uh, I'm trying to remember his name. The Salvador Dali, artist. yeah, kind of Dali-ish, where mm-hmm. it's. It's like, yeah, it, it, I mean, f- technically that's where those body parts are supposed to be, but they they don't look like, <laughs> like the eye up here and, and then an eye down here. Too low. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, in the but show, you're saying that I should give it a, a, a second I, chance. I think like maybe I said, I the, show, the show deals with some serious like issues amongst this, uh, this weird quirky world. Kind of like the Bojack Horseman does. Like this, yeah. this this show isn't like written as cleverly necessarily as BoJack Horseman. That's one of the things I like about BoJack is how intricately it's written. But mm-hmm. it it's similar in the idea that it's these strange characters that are dealing with deeper topics. The entire main storyline, one of the entire main storylines, is uh, about the idea of. Um, uh, just kind of, I'm trying to think of the right word for it because. Abuse is too strong of a word, not sexual abuse, but the idea of just um, the things that women deal with on a day-to-day basis and, you know, a uh, an employer that treats her in a certain way and the consequences that he does or doesn't face because of, like, it deals with some some kind of really serious things that we need to cope with and wrestle with and, and try to understand better, so... Um, so yeah, I think there is something there, uh, in Tuca and Birdie. So if you want to check that out, uh, Ian, what is your buried treasure for the week? 
I'm going off book again. I'm just going to rewrite the email that I sent to Phil entirely <laughs> and just apologise um, because I really liked um, Andrew's theme. So um, my buried treasure is Travellers, um, which is a TV show that ran for three seasons. It's on the UK Netflix. I'm not too sure where it is in America. But this has an interesting take on time travel. Um and I think it's done really, really well. It's actually closer to the primer version of time travel, where once they've once they've picked a moment that they've travelled back to, they can't travel before that because it will undo all of the stuff that they're now trying to fix. So every the, the premise is there is a um, disaster I did see that happens. The show. It's oh, I really liked it. Um, there's a disaster in the future that is basically going to wipe out humanity. They think they've pinpointed where stuff has started to go wrong. And once they go back to that point, they can only travel back in time after that point. And people just keep getting sent back in time to fix the problems. Um, and shenanigans ensue. There's definitely, it strays and it meanders. And I think each series is like 10 episodes. And... But it has some filler episodes as if it was a 26-episode season. And you're like, you really don't have time for this. But <laughs> the episodes that are great are fantastic. And it needed another... It needed and deserved another four seasons. And the, the Traveller fans are like on the same level as Firefly fans. They are screaming for more content. And I don't, I don't think it's going to come at this point. But watch it. It does wrap up. You don't have to worry about it leaving on a cliffhanger. It finishes. They finished knowing that there was going to be no more. So it is a complete story. What I liked about Travelers is the fact that it took something that you'd seen so many times in the time-traveling genre of films and added something new to it. Instead of mm -hmm. people traveling back through time, it's their consciousness that exactly. travels back through time. And the consciousness kind of takes over a host in what we live in, like the modern times. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's kind of invasive in a way like you're taking over somebody's life. You know, there's ramifications for taking over somebody like... If somebody came back and they took over Aaron, like, you know, I'm sure Aaron's family would be like, where's dad? <laughs> yeah, and they deal with that a lot. Because yeah, exactly. The, the caveat is that, yeah, the consciousness is sent back, but it's into somebody that was going to die. So seconds yeah. before they die, they are taken over by somebody from the future. But they still have to live their normal lives and interact with their families. And there's lots of... Wonder Woman 1984 sketchiness about yeah. that um, that the show has to deal with. Uh, all right. I feel like I should go back and change mine to 12 Monkeys. I, you know, like, uh, I, didn't, oh. I didn't realize we were doing a, yeah. a theme Sorry. here. So. <laughs> and Travelers has I didn't a mean 12 to. Monkeys theme. Uh, that is Travelers, which I believe is on Netflix. Uh, Primer uh, is it not... Is streaming anywhere that i can tell and uh tuca no. and birdie is on adult Great swim recommend. <laughs> <laughs> is this film you can't watch <laughs> you have to invent oh, a time machine and uh yeah you, you can have to go back you can find go it. back in time i'm sure you could find it on apple or amazon or somewhere and rent yeah it you probably it. buy it um but yeah. uh but who knows well we did it guys it's funny i would i would recommend buying primer instead of renting it simple simply for the fact it's going to take multiple viewings to understand what's going on in this movie. Yeah. It has to be on Amazon. I mean, you can't spell primer without prime. Amazon Prime. All right, we did it.
Thanks guys. for listening, guys. We did a podcast. <laughs> uh, congratulations to so everyone. Jeff Bezos is actually who <laughs> set out to podcast. You have now done exactly what you set out to do. Yay! Thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out once again today. Thank you, buddy. Uh, big thanks to Phil for producing the audio and video show. Thank you, Phil. Uh, and thank you to Ian for hanging out with us again today. Uh, Ian, now is your moment to... Tell people where to find you online, send them somewhere, promote something, uh, whatever you want to do. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at galactic underscore Dave. Um, and I also do a movie podcast that's a bit haphazard um, and just talks about everything, to be honest, um, called An Englishman and an Irishman Go to the Movies. Um, he is from Ireland, the island. <laughs> the island, island or the Ireland the island. island? Not not the island from Lost, but an mm. island called Ireland next mm, to okay. the island that I'm on. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and and if you Scotland? take a plane, yes. if you take a plane there, what happens at the end of your plane journey? You land. Do, 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 say I land. Say, do, 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 no, no. Say say it. No. Ian. What happens? Oh, say I, I land. I, I, I land. I land. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. You, got it. I just went straight for the lost music. <laughs> yes, sorry. As you always. <laughs> a bit should. more abstract. Yeah. Uh, much love and gratitude to our Sif Pop members for making Sif Pop a real thing. Your monthly support uh, helps out quite a bit. Three bucks a month is where it starts. You can check out the different levels and the different fun perks at Patreon.com/slash Sif Pop. Lots of ways to connect with us. Feel free to leave a comment, a rating, or a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you want to send us an email, you can do that to feedback at siftpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too, so let them know about it and that listening is much easier than a dozen people landing in the same pool from hundreds of feet in the air. We will be back next week with Black <laughs> Widow, and uh, I'm not sure what we're doing for We may do some Loki uh, next week, uh, but we'll definitely talk uh, Black mm. Widow, and we will see you then. Bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.